Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Booklist's Shelf Care, the podcast, where we talk all things reader's advisory, collection development, and reference right in your lull ears. I'm your host, Susan McGuire, here to guide you on our journey through all things bookish and library land. Let's talk memoirs. This popular genre offers a peek into the writer's life, offering a window for the curious and a mirror for those who need it. You can get anything in a memoir, from reckonings with race or gender or disability or all three, to tales of surviving messed up childhoods, to looks into a profession like a chef or a CEO, to celebrity tell-alls like The Woman and Me by Britney Spears, yes. It's a big field, but don't worry, Shelf Care is here to help you dig in with the help of librarian Stephanie Sandala, who offers some sharp insights into what makes memoirs so popular and how you can help your memoir-loving patrons. And because Stephanie has so much experience doing author visits, we chatted a little bit about planning and moderating as well. Then, audio editor Heather Booth shares some upcoming audio awards and lists that those who do collection development and listeners' advisory will want to know about. Finally, senior editor Adult Books Annie Bostrom and I had a little chat about a few books we're reading and loving. Speaking of books, don't worry— all of the books we talk about are in the show notes on booklistonline.com shelf-care. Let's get to it. But first, a word from some friends. Want to share that great Booklist Reader's Advisory content with your patrons? Now it's easy with Booklist Reader, a selection of backlist, booklists, and best ofs designed with your patrons' reading needs in mind. Want to know the best book group books? Booklist Reader has a list. Looking for great middle-grade graphic novels? There's a list for that. What about the best mysteries and thrillers on audio? You better believe Booklist Reader has a list for that, too. Best of all, the titles featured are already on your shelves, so no need for frustrating holds cues. Now available in print, you can order bulk copies of Booklist Reader for your library so your patrons can browse and book discover on their own. Plus, if you have a Booklist subscription, you can share digital issues of Booklist Reader on your website for free free. Go to booklistonline.com slash reader hyphen issues for more details. All right, I'm here with Stephanie Sandala, and we are going to talk about memoirs and libraries and gosh, books. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. It's been so lovely to just meet you and connect with you and now to chat with you about memoirs and what we're reading and everything. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. But before we get into memoirs, tell the books at home a little bit about yourself, what you do for work. Give a little intro. Oh, sure. So that's a great um, question. So (laughs) right now I am a programming and outreach specialist for LibraryLink NJ, which is um, a statewide cooperative in New Jersey, serving public, school, and academic libraries. Before that, I worked for Library Journal for almost a decade as an associate editor, editing book reviews, nonfiction, especially, and writing lots of features on collection development and reader's advisory. And before that, I was a public librarian at County Assistance in New Jersey. And I also still work as a reference librarian, which is still my background on call um, in New Jersey as well. So reference is still my heart. So I love talking to people, giving recommendations, and just sitting at the reference desk. And, you know, every day is different. So that's always really fun. Awesome. Yeah, I missed the reference desk. Not enough to apparently find a reference job, but you know. <laughs> I That's it. completely understandable, so I will not deny that. Yeah. So you're a fan of memoirs, and you know, 
I feel like it's such a varied genre that when people say they like memoirs, I'm sort of like, what does that mean? Because it covers everything from like celebrity tell-all to folks who do extraordinary things like climb a mountain or leave a cult or reckonings with race and gender and more, you know, just sort of slice of life stuff. Do you think there's anything kind of universal to the appeal of the memoir? Oh, yeah. I think we really like relating with people who might have a similar experience with us. Mm -hmm. That could be anything, whether it's adversity. Um, I really like chronic illness memoirs. Um, As someone who lives with chronic illness, I really like women's memoirs because women, like, we go through a lot. So even women that I don't always relate to, I'm like, oh, they had this really interesting story happen to them. And just finding that little connection is just so important to me. I love that. So I kind of find bits to relate to pretty much any memoir I read, to be honest. No matter who was written by, um, just because there, there is a human aspect of it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really important. And that's sort of like that mirrors and windows concept that we talk yes. about. Yes. Like you get a little bit of both in a memoir. Yes. So how can you talk to patrons about what kind of memoirs they're interested in? Like, how do you start that reader's advisory conversation? Yeah, I kind of ask what type of mood they're in because they kind of are different um, types of memoirs for different moods. Like, are you looking for something you can cry along with, something you can relate to for a very specific thing, like chronic illness, disability, um, queer stories, like parenting memoirs are huge right now. So exactly what are you looking for? What feelings are you looking for? Do you want, you know, someone who's overcoming things, someone who's still going through it? Because a lot of memoirs don't always end on a happy place, to be honest. Yeah. So I, I kind of think of like what, like what, mood they're going for and work from there. I love memoirs about love stories. And then when they get on the book tour, they're like, oh, we're divorced now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've definitely seen some of those. But I just take the memoir as as it is. So you mentioned parenting memoirs are hot or are really popular right now. What else do you see? What other trends are you seeing in the field of memoirs? Um, besides parenting, definitely chronic illness and disability memoirs for a lot of women who have had breast cancer, there's a lot of really great memoirs in that area right now. So a lot of memoirs by queer authors, um, people of color who are queer. That's always, I don't like to put them in a genre or like, you know, pigeonhole because these are our stories, but there's a lot of really good memoirs um, for representation right now as well. I also love a really good cooking memoir, to be honest. Um, I've never worked in a restaurant, but I will pretty much read almost any chef memoir. Um, for me, that's almost like, you know, I, I can't relate to it, but I just like the feel. I like, I'm a foodie. I like the feel yeah. of escapism. I'm living vicariously through them. So yeah, those are always really, really fun and very interesting. I know for them, it's not, not always fun with the nitty gritty of restaurant work. But for me reading it, I'm like, that's what goes on behind the scenes. Like, yeah. this is fascinating. So I do love a good chef memoir. That's what goes on behind the scenes that you can read about, but never have to experience because it sounds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We'll say. Yes. What about, do you have some key titles that folks should know about? I mean, I'd love yes. to so them like disability or chronic illness memoirs. You mentioned that a few times. I'd love to hear a few titles there. Okay. So one, um, this is both disability and chronic illness, plus a queer um, stories memoir. Um, this is led by Greg Marshall, which I read last year yeah. and loved. Um, published by Abrams. It came out last summer. And this is really like queer coming of age. And I like that it is just raw and real um, with disability, with queerness. And yeah, and with all the 
you know, happiness and heartbreak that can come along with that. That's one that's really staying with me um, in terms of that space. I also read, um, hold on a second, let me get the title. There's one about a nervous system recently. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay, it is called Nervous Essays on Heritage and Healing by Jen Soriano. Um, And this is kind of more, I guess, like memoir about sociology, about trying to find a diagnosis, which is really tough for a lot of people, uh, myself included, sometimes, and also from a great um, woman of color writing about her experience in the medical field. I just finished reading this one, and I'm still thinking about it. Such a really great (laughs) medical memoir for anyone interested. Yeah, Yeah. I also have a few um, other general recommendations um, if people are interested as well. I really, really loved Women We Burned, um, Women We Buried, Women We Burned by Rachel Louise Snyder. This one has still stayed with me um, just about having an unstable dysfunctional childhood, which is a really popular topic in memoirs as of late. But just her writing is so captivating and just... I feel like anyone who reads it can relate to something in her life, mm-hmm. um, whether it's like struggling, struggling in relationships, um, like trying to finish school, just navigating work. Like there's something in this for everyone. And I just really resonated with it. And it was a great read overall. So those are a few of my favorites as of late. Awesome. And just a reminder to listeners that we'll have all these titles in the show notes. So if someone's starting to explore the genre... You know, they're listening to this and they're like, I want to do a genre study or I want to get into memoirs. Is there a place you recommend they start or like what criteria should they search for to to get started? Yeah, that's a really good question, too. I feel like there's a lot of good places right now that kind of just do like what's coming up in memoirs. Literally. So I kind of recommend those as a starting point, to be honest. No Electric Lit does some good roundups. They recently had one of memoirs um, looked that were coming out this year by people of color and by women. I mean, a library journal and publishers weekly do the roundups of memoirs that are coming out. So I always start there because the genre, like you said, is so overwhelming. It's really is a huge genre. So just having like a starting point is a good place. And even for librarians too, for us to be like, oh, what's coming out next month? Or what are people looking for? That was really right. helpful as well. Right. Now this, this question may take a minute. But if you were on a desert island with three memoirs, what would they be? Oh, okay. But that is a inquest question again. Okay. I would have to say I recently read Man of Two Faces by Viet Tan Wen, the Pulitzer Prize winning author. I'm still thinking about that memoir as well. His writing is just phenomenal. Um, and I can't stop thinking about it. I would also have to say probably a recent memoir, which I wasn't sure how I would like, but I ended up loving it. It's Meet Me Tonight in Atlantic City by Jane Wong, um, which I just feel like touches so much on what women experience, what immigrants experience, um, just like navigating like your life and career. Um, Again, still resonating a lot. And one last memoir, which is a really good one too. Okay. Let me think of like, those are my my main two. Okay. Okay. Um, I also think of, I think this might be an oldie but goodie. I would probably say just... In terms of like overall for chronic illness, I still refer to illness as metaphor by Susan Sontag, just for that frame of reference of for myself, um, navigating chronic illness and being even able to say like, yes, I do have the chronic illness. So that book, even though it's older, it's still very, very resonant for me. So that's my third example or third (laughs) book that I'd want to have with me to refer to, to look back to and kind of that space when I first read it, I was like, oh, this is like transformative and even now i still go back to it sometimes i love rereading and i still go back to it and refer to it 
And that one is illness as metaphor. Yes. Yeah. That one came out several years ago. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I looked up 1978, but it is still very, yeah, just very pertinent for me. Okay. So that's your silly question for the episode. So I, I know part of your job is coordinating author visits for Library Link and Jay. Why do you think memoir writers make good library guests? Oh, they're just natural storytellers, really. Um, you know, they always really engage a crowd. And I also remind people that nonfiction authors don't always get the same attention as fiction authors when it comes yeah. to author visits. So especially for libraries, they're always usually generally happy to visit and to talk to you or your staff or, you know, your community. So yeah, the, the, the storytelling aspect, it can't be really ignored because, yeah, they're just always fun and it's just great to connect with people in that way as well. Yeah, and you're right. We do sort of tend to focus on fiction when we're thinking about author visits. But nonfiction is a great a great well to to choose from. Yes, I agree. Especially with cookbook authors, too. That's my other favorite for oh, nonfiction. Cool. So when you yes, because those are always authors, really fun. How do cookbook authors do it? Do they... What do they talk about? Yeah, um, so it was really fun because actually last year, so Abra Barons and Martha Holmberg two cookbook authors reached out to me to suggest an author event. And I was like, sure. They talked about their books, um, their interest in cooking, what led them to it, their favorite recipes. There are a lot of questions from the audience about cooking mishaps. And I love cooking, but I have definitely had a lot of mishaps. So that part was really fun. Um, Just being like, yeah, we all make mistakes in the kitchen. Um, Like, how do we work through it? So that was a really fun, engaging conversation. That's interesting. So for author visits in general, what do you think are a few key things to know about planning an author visit? Like, how do you prepare the author? Do you do anything to prepare the audience? Yeah, I think my main advice is start as early as possible, Mm -hmm. um, just because authors do get very busy. Like I'm planning now for, it's January, I'm planning now for July, August, and kind of even into September. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would plan as far as possible and kind of communicate with them as much as possible of what their questions might be like. Authors really appreciate having a set thing, a list of questions up front of what I'm going to ask or whatever our moderators will ask them is really helpful. Um, telling them about your organization or your library. Authors really like that background information of, hey, we do this, we serve this community. Um, just that background information that we don't always think to tell people. Yeah, but Authors love hearing that too, so they can get a better glimpse into your community as well. Um, yeah, and just also just keep them up to date with any changes um, that may happen along the way as well. Right. Do you do you think it's important to have a moderator or do you sometimes like to let authors just kind of go? I prefer having a moderator, just especially since I work with a lot of debut authors mm-hmm. who might be doing this for the very first time, yeah. which I can imagine is very overwhelming, as they had mentioned. So I like having a moderator just for that reason alone, especially for debut memoir authors um, who may not, you know, have that much experience speaking to large groups of people. Um, right. Or just may want the comfort in knowing what questions we're going to ask up front. Well, so I think that makes it kind of more fun, too, because then I can be like, if we're running out of time, I, which always happens for me because I'm very chatty. I'll just be <laughs> like, oh, we're skipping ahead to this question. Can we talk about this now? And they're just like, oh, okay, that's great. So it kind of just flows naturally. Nice. Moderating is sort of nerve wracking and it's a lot of work. I think people don't really it know is. what yeah. work it is. It's not just reading the book. What other kinds of stuff do you do to prepare for, for moderating a, an author visit? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, reading a book thoroughly. I always take notes handwritten 
when I do prepare to moderate. I'm just because there's sometimes passages or phrases or words that I pick up on while I'm reading Mm -hmm. that I might not think if I'm just like reading it and putting the book down. And that kind of helps me refresh my memory too. So, and I kind of like to do that like a couple of weeks before I moderate. Then I come back to my notes um, about a week or so later. Then I'm like, oh, okay, let me reread this passage to see what stood out to me and why. Yeah. And that way I have a good frame of reference going into the the Q&A with the author specifically. Sometimes I'm like, oh, like I I emailed them. I'm like, I like this passage. Can can we talk more about it Mm -hmm. in the Q&A? And that really helps like start a conversation too. Nice. So any any final words on folks for author visits or memoirs or any random wisdom you want to impart? Yes, I would say for author visits especially, I know um, budget, we can't ignore money. That is a huge issue for a lot of libraries too. Yeah. But a lot of authors are willing to work with libraries for either either really, really discounted rates or they're able to work for free for, you know, a really small nominal amount. A lot of um, authors, even for me, like they don't want to support libraries. I know that libraries are under attack right now. Authors love libraries. So if you think you don't have a budget or if you don't have a budget, you're just worried about money or finances. I would say reach out anyways, because you never know who will say yes. Like I've had like major comics authors come for free because they're just happy just to talk to kids about graphic novels. Um, So yeah, it never hurts to reach out, even if you don't think you can afford a specific high profile author. Um, just I would just state your library. We live in this community. You can even say, like, we're going through a tough time right now. You don't have to get into specifics, but you know, just saying anything that you could do to help, you know, with a virtual visit or in person would help our community and just be authentic and real. And that would really get you some results. Yeah. Cause people, like you said, people love authors love libraries. And I think they are probably aware of some of the problems we're having now. Yes, definitely. Well, before I let you go, I have a question I always love to ask, which is what are you reading and loving right now? Okay. So I do have a few right here. So my former, one of my former coworkers from Library Journal mailed me this because uh, my favorite fiction genres are fantasy and horror, actually. Uh-huh. And I'm always looking for new books that are just like, kind of give me the creepy crawlies. Um, so I'm definitely like a suspenseful thriller, horror, all of that. It is Rainbow Black by Magneth Brush. Oh. Um, and I am about halfway through right now. It comes out in March of 2024. So if I'm watching, um, reading, but I'm listening to this later, it might have already come out by now. But it is already a thriller from the first page. I have no idea what's going to happen. Generally, for books like this, I don't want to read the synopsis or anything, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, go and fresh with like no expectations. Yeah. So it is a wild roller coaster from the first page. I am really liking it. I have not read to the end, so I don't know if it's going to change or anything. But right now, it is phenomenal. Very suspenseful and thriller-ish. So if you're interested, it's something more thriller than horror. So Rainbow Black by Maggie Thrush, I'm reading right now. And since I love nonfiction, The Woman of Now, I love feminist books, or books about feminist history by Catherine Turk. This is just a really good feminist history that I'm loving so far. And yeah, really, really great. And my last... Horror. This is very classic. Um, Silver Nitrate by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. I yeah. love her books, and I'm so excited to dive into this one next. She's definitely so yes, fave. That one, yes, without a doubt. So I'm sort of I've gone on record as being a real chicken for reading horror. Although I had to read The Shining for a book group, and it actually was not 
as traumatic an experience as I thought it would be. So maybe I am a horror reader. But silver nitrate has definitely caught my attention. And I I might, you know, close my eyes and jump into it. Yes. We'll have to connect after you read it. Um, yeah. That'd be great. So we can share notes and everything. Right. So it'll be like, this part scared me. This part I'm swimming. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me. This has been great. Um, I think you've given folks a lot to think about with memoirs and with author visits and with books, as promised. Yeah, thank you. Thank yes, thank you, you for having me. I'll, yes, happy to be back anytime, too. Awesome. Professional development is super important for library staff, but finding the time and the funds is real tricky. Booklist webinars are a great way to squeeze some continuing education into your busy schedule. Each free one-hour webinar covers something staff can take right into their work. Like what? How's about picture books, or sci-fi fantasy books, or craft books, or book group picks, or library management, or library reads? So many topics covered each in one convenient hour. Register to watch the webinar live, or to be notified when the video is up in the archives. All free! All just one hour! Perfect for those days when you only have enough time off the service desk to eat a sad sandwich in your office. Find upcoming webinars and archives at booklistonline.com webinars. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Heather Booth, the audio editor here at Booklist. February is a really big month for audiobooks. It's the month that we will learn the winners of the Odyssey Award and the honorees. It's when we will get a peek at the listen list for adult listeners with amazing selections across genres. And it's also the time that you will be able to get a sneak peek at what's coming in audio for spring in the spring audio preview. You can check out the February 1st issue of Booklist just to see what publishers are most excited about. And then be sure to subscribe and read your Corner Shelf newsletter because that's where the list is going to be this year. It should be easy then for you to copy and paste ISBNs into your vendor browser of choice and add all of those audiobooks to your collection as quickly and as smoothly as possible. We're really excited about this year's list. Since we've moved the list online for both the spring and fall audio previews, we've been able to include so much more content, giving us a huge breadth of diversity in those audiobooks. So we hope that you enjoy all of the forthcoming audio excitement and happy listening. Say, do you like reading? Do you like hearing what authors have to say about their writing? Then you've just got to hear the Shelf Care interview. It's a quick conversation between a booklister and a book person about their work, their inspiration, and whatever else we can fit in under 15 minutes. Hear Maggie Reagan talk to Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds about Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You. Hear Ronnie Curry chat with Susan Mwadi Daraj and Simon Nurali about their series for young readers, Farah Rocks and Sadiq, or to Saba Tahir, Nicole Andelfinger, and Sonia Lau and their graphic novel, A Thief Among the Trees. Hear Julia Smith talk to Tracy Hecht about the Nocturnal series, and more. Can you believe there's more? You can find the Shelf Care interview right on this here podcast feed or wherever you listen to Booklist Shelf Care the podcast. Happy listening! Hi, Annie. Hi, Susan. Are you ready to talk about books? I'm always ready. I'm very excited. Me too. So what you got for me? What are you reading and loving? I have been reading, I started Headshot by Rita Bullwinkle. 
and that is out on March 12th from Viking. And this is this is her first novel. She had a short story collection called Belly Up a few years ago. But Headshot opens with like a bracket. You see a bracket for matchups with eight women's full names listed. And then the book goes through four successive fights that are taking place at the Daughters of America Cup at a place called Bob's Boxing Palace in Reno, Nevada. And this is a competition for teenage girl boxers. So it's like each fight is kind of a story and it's a story of the fight taking place, but also there's some rewinding to tell us how each girl got here literally and metaphorically. And then in some cases, the story zooms ahead to tell, to give us a little snapshot of what becomes of these girls in the future. Mm -hmm. So the first part of the book is these four fights, which is what I just finished. And it looks like the structure is going to change a little bit. These fights all took place in one day and tomorrow I think will be the championships, the matchups of the winners from what we know. And as I was reading, I remembered that bracket and I was like, oh, if I look at that again, is it going to tell me who the winners are? Like, do I Oh, I see? But it doesn't. So don't be, yes. don't fear the table of contents. Okay. But it's interesting too, because it's like nobody is here, is there like watching this. <laughs> they have to have coaches like legally, but they're like, they're all men and they're totally disengaged. This is like something they do on the side to make money or whatever. Like nobody cares about the teen girl boxers. Maybe I think one girl's family is there, but some girls drove themselves from states away. So it's just this really like gritty, like for teen girls, by teen girls. Uh, no one else wants to be there. The the boxing ring. I mean, in general, Bullwinkle writes with this like real intimacy of boxing, like how they move and how they hit each other and how their bodies react and what happens to them when they get hit. And she's just very, she uses a lot of images in general. So it's for somebody who's not super familiar with boxing. I'm really like picturing everything going on and the junkie like place where the, the match is happening. And yeah, I just, I haven't read anything like it and I don't know what's going to happen next. Have you ever read anything like that, this with that kind of like structure? No, I was just thinking that didn't Joyce Carol Oates write a book about boxing? Oh, maybe. I was thinking that would be a really fun list of like sports or other books that have that sort of one person advances kind of. Yeah. I, I don't I can't think of any that I've read, but Right. That's a deterrent to making a list is Yeah. But I like that. I like that structure. That sounds really interesting. It is and also like headshot, you know, you get like the idea of snapshot of a person that's supposed to reveal them to the whole world or the getting hit in the head. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's really, it's giving me a lot. Cool. What are you reading right now? Well, I just finished one that is a thriller that I really liked called Listen for the Lie by Amy Tentera. And she writes a lot of teen books. This is her first adult book. And you know, sometimes like when adults when teen authors, teen YA authors write for adults, it's like teen adjacent. Yes. Yep. This is not. It's very like grownups. I mean, it just doesn't have anything to do with teens is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a woman named Lucy who doesn't remember 
the night her best friend was murdered and she was never charged with the crime, but everyone in the small Texas town she lives in thinks she did it. So she leaves everything behind, moves to LA, but then a true crime podcast picks up the case. And so, and Lucy's grandmother is like, you have to come home and help me plan a party. But really the grandmother just wants her to set the record straight on this podcast and the thing I really liked about it is it's very, like, this is not a word, but it's very voicey. Like, it's narrated by Lucy. That's a, that's a, in this, in this room, that's a word. In this house, okay. we believe that's a word. Okay, good. So you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So, like, Lucy's narration, like, she's really frustrated that she can't remember and she's confused and she's trying to, there are things she can't remember and there are things she doesn't want to remember. But she's also like snarky and it's funny sometimes. And she's constantly making bad decisions, like sleeping with a podcast host. <laughs> and yeah, there she's she's keeping she's not like a, a normal, unreliable narrator, but you do sort of slowly uncover her secrets and then as she starts to remember, you realize like what secrets other people in the town have been keeping from her. Yeah. And I think, so I think people will hear the podcast angle and be drawn and, you know, pick it up, which I think is good because then they'll stay for this really unique narrative voice. Yeah. It sounds very um, like skillfully structured too. Yeah. Yeah. And it ends up like saying a lot about toxic masculinity, which I like. Well, I don't like toxic masculinity. <laughs> I like books that have a lot to say about it. And the reveal is a surprise, but then it's like not a surprise when you think about it. Hey. I won't say anymore. Okay. Yeah, don't say anymore. Well, I just started reading this other one that I'm excited about. I'm not very far into it. So I feel like I shouldn't really talk about it yet in case it ends up stinking. But I don't think it's going to. <laughs> so I'm going to risk it. It's called um, American Daughters by Piper Hughley. Oh, and that comes out from William Morrow in April. Did I say Listen for the Lie comes out from Holt in March? I don't think you did. Okay. Pretend I did. Good news. American Daughters. So... Piper Hughley wrote By Her Own Design, which came out a couple of years ago, about a fashion designer, Anne Lowe, who created Jackie Kennedy's wedding dress and, like, all the dresses for the social register, but has been, been kind of forgotten by history because she was Black. Surprise that history would forget her and ignore her. But American Daughters is another story ripped from the historical headlines, so to speak, it's about the friendship between Alice Roosevelt, daughter of Teddy, and Portia Washington, daughter of Booker T. And like in By Her Own Design, it's got like tons of delicious historical details. It's got really strong characters. You know, you've got wild Alice. You know, everyone, well, not everyone, but you might know Alice Roosevelt's reputation as being kind of a wild child. And then Portia is more steadfast and um, towing the line because she sort of has to because that's what's expected of being a prominent Black family at this time at the turn of the century. And I think this will be a good one for book groups who like discussing often forgotten women's history. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, and I feel like that era is having is having a moment in our historical fantasies so to speak turn of the cinch yeah yeah 
cinch. <laughs> well, that's all I got. I think that's a lot. I mean, that's two books. That's okay. It's a total of three. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And I never get to talk about my books. I'm always interviewing people about their books. And then I'm like, why doesn't anyone ask me? Yeah. Why doesn't anyone ever ask me? This is a what this is a two-sided relationship. Well, it's because I I tell them not to. So it's my <laughs> fault. <laughs> but it's Bye. good. It's good for me to practice my book talking. The first book you mentioned sounds like something I would really like. Also, I do this is, you know, the third novel I feel like I've recently heard of where you've got the true crime podcast getting yeah. But it told it makes total sense. We're listening to them all the time and there's so much material there. Yeah. It sounds so good, but I have to say the bad decisions thing is like too stressful for me. That's like I know, yeah. It's just that's the thing that stresses me out in books, like or TV or whatever. I'm just like, don't do that. Well, <laughs> it's sort of yeah. I mean, it sort of goes along with like this it sort of questions like not the validity of true crime. That's not the word I'm looking for. Like the the ethics behind like a true crime podcast and like the salaciousness of it and like this totally unqualified person like digging up yeah. the past and like not really thinking about the lives it affects. So it seems only fair that she would bring some of that questionable ethics on his doorstep as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So it makes sense in a certain way. We're weird. So questionable ethics, famous daughters, and female boxers. Female boxers, yeah. Teen female boxers. That's yeah, I gotta say books. not making me want to try boxing. No, um, I can imagine. Is it violent? You know, in a very like in such a structured way, but at the same time, it's like one person gets her eye punched and they talk about how it just like keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> And that sounds bad, yeah. but like violent. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Violence is another thing I can't really stomach in any way, and this is not affecting not, me that way. Not gratuitously, so no. It's you know people hurting themselves, even though they are hitting each other. It feels like, yeah, it's part of the game. Part of the game, yeah. Don't hate the player, right? Hate the book. No, don't hate the book. Love the book. <laughs> Love the book. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for asking me to talk. And happy reading. Happy reading. And that's it for this episode of Shelf Care, the podcast. Thank you to Stephanie, Heather, and Annie for dropping some knowledge on us. Remember, all the books discussed are in the show notes on booklistonline.com slash shelf hyphen care. If you like what you've heard, won't you consider rating and reviewing us on your nearest podcast app? That will help others find our bookish goodness. Thank you kindly and happy reading.